Hello, Pastor Steve Waldron with Biblical Archaeology Today. So thankful you're here with us. Glad to be your host. We're going to be looking at Adam and Eve, Darwin's theory, the fossils, and what do they say. And we're getting this from the popular handbook of archaeology in the Bible. Kind of using that as a text for several uh, weeks here by Joseph Holden, Norman Geisel. We refer to a lot of things a lot of times, but... Just kind of use this as a text. And uh, so we're on pages 62 and 63. Hey, follow along, but no need to get the book unless you want to. It's a phenomenal book. I would suggest you pass it out to, to friends and family and whoever. It's just, it's that good. Give it as gifts. But let's get started again. Glad you're here with us. So Adam and Eve and Darwin's theory. It says sometimes the historicity of Adam and Eve is dismissed due to Incompatibility with Darwin's theory of evolution. His book on the origin of the species, 1859, sought to explain the origins of the biological species by means of natural selection, contradicting the biblical assertions that species reproduce after their own kind. According to current macroevolutionary theory, the process of the development of plants, animals, and humans is governed by the unguided principle of survival of the fittest. Over the process of millions of years, variations in species began to emerge as they evolve and adapt to their surrounding environment, enabling them to be better equipped to survive and then produce offspring these same capabilities. Now, of course, now that we understand DNA and genetic science, that doesn't happen. Mutations would be the vehicle. Mutations are nearly universally negative for the species, not positive. Other species that have not developed with such characteristics would like the capabilities necessary to thrive, which would lead to their eventual extinction. But we, we understand that that's not true because we want to preserve. We don't want to make things extinct. If we think we are the best, which is why evolution was postulated, then we could make things extinct with no compunction. But we still want to get back to the garden and take care of the garden. It's in our DNA. We don't want things to go extinct. I don't either. Darwin's theory of evolution leaves no room for divine intervention in the emergence of life, which poses a direct contradiction to the creation account presented in Genesis, leaving many to doubt the reliability of the text of that book. However, there's no reason except the conclusions of macroevolutionary theory. So he says the fossils say no. That goes back to Dwayne Gish's famous books. Fossils say no, and the fossils still say no. First, no conclusive fossil evidence exists to support the evolutionary contention that certain kinds can transition into other kinds. For example, reptiles into birds, chimps into humans. Also, the so-called missing links have been either refuted as frauds or closely examined and discovered to be either animal or human, but not both or other types of species. Indeed, top evolutionists have acknowledged lack of fossil evidence to support evolution. Darwin asserted that the lack of transitional fossils in the geologic record is the most obvious and gravest objection which can be urged against my theory. Now, that's an incredible quote right there. American Scientist Magazine contains this statement. As Darwin noted in The Origin of Species, the 
abrupt emergence of anthropods in the fossil record during the Cambrian presents a problem for evolutionary biology. And that it does. The late Harvard scientist Stephen Gold admitted evolutionary trees that adorn our textbook have data only in the tips and nodes of their branches. Even his later attempt to modify the statement, he admitted the transitional forms are generally lacking at the species level. So that's pretty incredible right there. I've got some of his books. He's a very good writer. Niles Eldridge said most families, orders, classes, and phyla appear rather suddenly in the fossil record, often without anatomically intermediate forms. That means there's no predecessors. There's no links in the chain. W. Ford Doolittle said the history of life cannot properly be represented as a tree. Carl Woese notes that there could never have been a single cell that could be called the last universal common ancestor. Cornell University biology professor William Provine said the evidence for the big transformations and evolution are not there in the fossil record. Additionally, Antonis Rokas declared that phylogenetic incongruities could be seen everywhere in the universal tree from its root to the major branching within and among the various taxa to the makeup of the primary groupings themselves. It's just a fancy way of saying it doesn't exist or there's serious problems with it. Sir Fred Hoyle used a lively description. The evolutionary record leaks like a sieve. He and Chandra Wamsing uh, did the steady state theory. And then they, I think they started saying we were seeded from outer space. After science had spent 150 years looking for missing links, Oxford biologist Mark Pagel saw in the fossil records rapid bursts of change, new species appearing seemingly out of nowhere, and then remaining unchanged for millions of years, patterns hauntingly reminiscent of creation. And you know, you had that uh, deal from Rockefeller University a couple years ago that said everything basically spontaneously appeared 100 to 200,000 years ago. So you can believe Adam and Eve. Hey, God bless. Thanks for watching or listening. Excuse me. Just did some YouTube videos too. And uh, pray you'll be with us every day. and Continue to pray for the ministry. We just want to reach the world with the truth of the gospel. We love you. Please join us daily. Talk with you later in Jesus' name.